So here we are in this amazing moment. For us, this moment began in our hearts as a dream almost over two and a half years ago. Uh, really, if we're being honest, almost seven to eight years ago. And, and here we are today, standing in the fulfillment of this dream coming to life. And so I am just overwhelmed by the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus. I'm just stunned and my heart is so full and I'm so thankful that you've chosen to be here today to participate in this beautiful day. It's kind of like having a baby. For those of you that have kids, you don't quite know what to expect until you go through it. And then the baby arrives and it's like nothing prepares you for that moment. You read all the books, you attend all the classes, you listen to your friends who are usually wrong. And then the baby shows up and blows your mind. I remember years ago when our firstborn daughter Cora was born. She came out with black spiky hair and deep blue eyes and just blew me away. And today kind of feels like that. And so forgive me if I tend to tear up and get a little emotional today. As I mentioned earlier, you're going to see that Pastor Jason's a little bit of a crier. And so I want to say this right at the forefront. All you emotional types, you are welcome at Courageous Church. Can I get an amen? All right. And so here we are. The baby's born. And now we as a community, as a people, as a church, get to participate in its life. I think that's the scarier part. But we are so excited about what God is doing with Courageous Church. Because Courageous Church is not a place. Courageous Church is a people. A people that have the hope, healing, courage, and life of God in them. And that are willing to share that with others. And we believe that Jesus is passionate about people. And as a result, we're passionate about people. So thank you for honoring us by choosing to be here today. You know, over the last couple of weeks and months, I've actually... Uh, prayed quite a bit about what I would say today. You know, you only get one first message, one first attempt to impress everybody, and I got to deliver the goods because I've got some of the best preachers I know in the front row. I'm going to hear about it tomorrow if I don't. I'm kidding, but not really. <laughs> and so you, you feel the pressure of that, right? But as I began to pray and really listen to what the Lord wanted to say, I began to see Many faces, the faces of your friends and the faces of your coworkers, your family, your neighbors. I saw the people that God's heart beats for that live within this valley and all around us and beyond. And as I began to pray about what God would have me share, he directed my attention and prompted within me a singular word. And that word today is hope. And so today I want to talk about hope and I believe that hope has a name. More than just a concept or an idea or a philosophy or a way of life, I believe that hope is a person and his name is Jesus. And so today I wanna talk a little bit about Jesus. Are you okay with that? Well, I'm gonna do it anyways because I've got the microphone. <laughs> Somebody gave me that microphone. And so if you have your Bibles, go with me to Colossians chapter one verse 24 through 27. We're going to start there today. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. You can pull out your smartphone. They have these amazing things called apps. You can download an app called the Bible. It's free. might be the best thing you do today. So you could follow along with us. And of course, for the rest of you, we got you covered because we put it on the screen. I mean, it's kind of hard not to with this gigantic screen behind us. My goodness. Pretty amazing. So let's get right into it today. Paul, writing to the Colossians, says this in verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice 
in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. That's us. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you and me. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. And here it is. Christ in you the hope of glory. I believe hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And Paul comes to us in this letter and sets forth a radical notion. Not only that hope exists, but that hope actually is a person, and that that person actually wants to live and dwell within us. Revolutionary then and I would say to us, still revolutionary today. And to give you a little backdrop of what Paul is setting up here and how it relates to hope, I want to start with three things. First, Paul, for Paul, the one who once terrorized Christians, the one who led a terrorist organization against the work of God, has this amazing encounter with Jesus, the living Christ, on his way to Damascus. God literally knocks him off his high horse and blinds him. And he has this amazing conversion and transformation take place. So much so that the very people that he was persecuting are now the people that he loves. And he's building up and preaching to and planting churches for. So for Paul, there's no hope without Jesus. Secondly, for Paul, his writings and letters are to the church. Meaning that he's well acquainted with what you and I struggle with. This isn't just a book written to them, it's a book written to us. And so ordinary people like you and me can find our hope in Jesus because God knows what we're going through. And Paul knows what we're going through. Thirdly, for Paul, the majority of his his theology, his thoughts about God could be summed up in the phrase, being in Christ. You see, for Paul and for us, The goal for the life of every believer is that our life would be rooted, connected to, anchored in the person and work of Jesus. And so right off the bat, Paul sets forth his argument that hope exists and that it's a person and that this person wants to live in you and in me. Why is this important? Because I think that we too easily forget who we are and what we have access to. And as a pastor, like Paul, I want to come alongside us today to encourage us to remember what we have and what we have been given in and through Jesus, God's beloved son. I believe hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. As Paul begins to put forth within his letter, this is the great mystery of God that he came to reveal to us that somehow the God of the cosmos, the one who made the stars and the galaxies, the ever-expanding universe, would somehow, in and through the mystery of his word, his logos, Jesus Christ himself, make known this mystery so that Jesus himself, the mystery, the word of God, hidden for all the ages, like it says, could live in you meaning that Jesus not only wants to live in you, he wants to express his life through you. 
He's not content just to reach you. He wants to live in you. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, what God had planned and ordained for him that was given to him for you, the church, to make the word of God fully known, to reveal Jesus, who was the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, which is a fancy word for the church. To them, us, the church, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, those that had no relationship with God, are the riches of this glory and this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes, I believe hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And so my one and only point today is this. Are you ready for it? Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. At Courageous Church, we want everything we do to be about Jesus. He was more than just a great philosopher and teacher, more than just an idea, more than just a revolutionary, more than just a rabbi. We believe that he is hope incarnate. He is the way and the truth and the life. And he came not just to reveal that to us, but he came so that that could be inside of us. So that that life and that healing and that courage that we've been speaking about all day and the miracles and the faith and the breakthrough and everything that we just got done singing about could live and dwell within here. Which brings us to an obvious question that must be asked. Well, if God is so good and this Jesus and this hope is so great, why is there so much suffering? I knew you were going to ask that today. But here's the problem I have a little bit with the question. Because I believe it wrongly imposes upon God that all suffering is his fault and that somehow he's responsible for it and for the things that we do to ourselves and do to each other. And I think it's also a bad question because it causes us to, re- to, to reject and to scorn and to dismiss suffering when it shows up at our doorstep. But should we be so quick to dismiss it? Should we be so swift to reject it? Of course, I think if we're being honest, none of us in this room want to suffer. And none of us want to see our loved ones, the people that are in our life that we love, suffer. And some of you have. Some of you have experienced real hurt and real pain. Now we're going to get real. Come on. And real loss. But God will not discredit, discount, or diminish what you've gone through. And you want to know why? Because in Christ Jesus, he has gone through it too. Yes, in The person of Jesus, God, suffers with us. He enters into our humanity. He takes on our flesh, and he takes our brokenness and our shame and our guilt and our sinfulness, and he nails it to an old Roman cross where they once murdered the one that came to bring them freedom so that, yes, even our suffering and the trappings of it could be reconciled and redeemed and restored, and here's the kicker, liberated from what was intended to bring you and me harm. And to bring it out of the realm of the temporary, Ecclesiastes says our life is like a vapor, and what we experience in this world is like a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow, but it feels like forever. And when you're you're suffering and struggling, it feels like forever. 
For the scriptures remind us that this too will pass. And Christ takes that and he enters into it so that he can liberate it and bring it out of the realm of the temporal and bring it into the realm of the eternal where he unfolds eternity and everlasting life out for ages upon ages upon ages upon ages to come so that this too can bring God glory, so that this too can play a part in bringing purpose out of the pain that you've experienced and the loss that you know and the hurt that you felt Because hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Hope causes us to widen our gaze, to look beyond the temporal, and to stare out into eternity, to know that we serve a good God who's got a good plan. And if we could just get beyond the moment, as hard as that is, and we could just trust as hard as that is, we would see hope's plan for you and I. We would see the goodness of God in a whole new light. And we would find in Jesus our eternal hope. This is the reality of the suffering servant, Jesus himself, who in Isaiah 53 says, came to bore our sickness and our disease, our iniquities, and all the world could throw at him. And to be honest, all that the world throws at us. And today I want to say to us that the hope that I'm talking about is not hype. It's not sensationalism. It's not you trying to put together the best version of you, although we try, don't we? The body sculpting efforts, we change our hair, we change our profile picture. We try to do everything we can to practice self-help. But that doesn't work, does it? And it doesn't last. And for some of us, it's not self-help, it's self-medication. And so we take the pills and we throw back the shots in hope that we would somehow numb the pain that somehow got entangled up with this thing called living. But Jesus offers us an alternative. Greater than the pain, greater than the hurt, greater than the loss, and greater than the suffering. He helps us to widen our gaze, to see hope, and see beyond the horizon of what is coming, a kingdom and a heaven that, yes, is coming, but also, and here's the good news, is here right now. Is here right now. And this is why I believe Paul could, in this same letter, with a straight face, say to you and I, now I rejoice in my sufferings. How could Paul move beyond his personal problem with evil and suffering and grief to actually get to a place where he could actually rejoice in what he suffered? I think the answer is staring us in the face because he knew that hope had a name and his name is Jesus. He knew hope himself. He had the personal presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within him. And that is why he could go through storms and shipwrecks and snake bites and get beaten and stoned. That's why he could then turn around and say with a straight face, I rejoice in all of it. Because he had something that the world couldn't take away. He had something that the world couldn't offer and give. He had the presence of Jesus. And so I wonder today, do you know this Jesus? See, we've been singing a lot about him. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. But do you know that reality for yourself? When at night, when you're in the the dark night of your soul and you're walking through pain, do you know that he makes the darkness tremble? Do you know that he wants to? 
In just a moment, we're going to pray. But before we do, I want to offer one final thought to us. And this also comes from Paul, and it says it in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, Jesus, we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice, here it is again, in hope of the glory of God. Paul says that because of Jesus and his finished work on the cross, meaning you can't add to it or subtract from it. Because of what Jesus did, we have this justification. We have this righteousness with God. We have this right standing. We have a right relationship with God through faith by which we then enter into grace in which we can stand. Not wobble, but stand firmly planted, rooted with this anchor for our soul. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And I think it's because of this reality that we're really all here today, to rejoice in this hope that we have. And that is our vision, church, to see Christ, the hope in us, the hope of glory, rise upon us, that others would see it too and experience it so that the hope that you have becomes contagious. Because I believe that if you would let it, hope would get on everything and anything that it can. And that's our vision as a church. It's to arise and shine. It's to see the Christ, the hope of glory in us, rise upon us so that what's in us will get on everything and everyone, whether you're here, whether you're in Bountiful, Centerville, Provo, Draper, Holiday, Cottonwood Heights, Midville, Mill Creek, West Valley, West Jordan, whether you're swimming in the Great Salt Lake, that a Christ, the hope of glory in you, would also be seen upon you. And that's the promise we have as a church, that if we would arise and shine, and Isaiah 60 tells us, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. If we would arise and shine, could you imagine the glory of God that we would see in this valley? And that's what we're fighting for, to see ordinary people just like you and me. We dress up real nice, but deep down, we got the same issues, the same struggles, the same stuff. But we have Christ, the hope of glory in us. And Jesus says in Matthew 5 that a light was not intended to be hidden under a lamp under a bushel, as they used to say back in the day. But it was intended to be seen. And that's what God wants for this church, for her light to be seen. I pray that you would find yourself compelled to join us in this effort to arise and shine all over this valley. But I know that it starts with hope.